Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Today, I receive the Word of God, the prophet me, reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished in all good works. You just quoted uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I'm doing a series on the kingdom of God, and so many people are so... Um, uh, don't have much knowledge about what is the kingdom of God. In the book, book of Luke, uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. And so when Jesus came to this earth, one of the things that they were thinking as a Messiah, he was going to come and redeem them from the Roman Empire and reset up Israel the same way God set up Israel with Joshua and the Joshua generation. But Jesus had a different idea and a better idea because in order to expand the kingdom of God if they did it with the geographical boundaries of Israel it would have been limited but the way Jesus did was he brought the kingdom of God imparted the kingdom of God on the inside of you and every time someone gets born again the kingdom of God expands now I want you to think about this this is a real blow to the devil because he can't expand his kingdom and the more people that get born again, the more people that trust the Word of God, the more people that put God first in, in, in their life, the more we increase the kingdom of God. So I'm going to do a little bit of a review. I've got a couple other things to do right after service today that I want you all to be a part of, so I'll try to get through this as quickly as possible. So Jesus, or John the Baptist said to prepare Jesus, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so for those who don't understand repentance, repentance really means to come back to the Lord. That's what it really, really means. In fact, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says it's the goodness of God that leads a person to repentance. Now, if you've been in an old-fashioned repentance revival or whatever, you know, sometimes maybe you'll see people crying, I'm so sorry I did this, and I'm so sorry I did that. Well, you know, godly sorrow also leads a person to repentance, and we understand that, and we're thankful for that. But true repentance is coming to God. And that's why Peter said in Acts 3.19 when they said, well, what should we do? You know, how do we get born again? He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remissions of sin. In other words, come to God. And God's whole purpose and teaching all the way back to the Torah, to the very beginning of Adam and Eve and Moses, all of them, was come to me. Deuteronomy 28, if you'll hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God and listen, listen to him and obey all the things that he says to do, follow him diligently, all these blessings will come upon you. So it's all about putting God first. And a lot of people think, well, you know what? I need to get some things right in my life before I can put God first. Well, no, God said, come to me and I'll change you. That's why it says, repent and be converted for times of refreshing will come upon you. He'll do the converting. He'll change the desires. Well, you know, pastor, it's just some things I don't want to give up. Well, I understand that. There were some things I didn't want to give up either. When I was first trying to get into the kingdom of God and had people witness to me, you know, I thought, man, I'm just not good enough. You know, there's things. And finally, I just cried out to God. I said, look, God, you know, I don't know how this thing works, but there's just certain things my flesh likes to do. Hello, somebody. Don't look at me with those halos. But anyway, I mean, come on, let's, re let's be real, you know. And it's like, man, I just don't think I can give these things up. You know, I didn't hear God say a word about that. But as I began to pursue him, he began to change me. And that's how it works. He puts his kingdom in the, inside you. You know, the Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, that doesn't mean that you'll get a Cadillac as soon as you begin to delight yourself in, a, in the Lord, if you want a Cadillac. I know some of you are looking at a VW Beetle. You know, they don't look too bad these days, you know, the new Beetles out there. But anyway, nevertheless, it's not talking about worldly things. It's talking about, you know, as you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, you know what? He'll start putting his desires in you. And one day you'll look back as you're seeking God and you say, you know, I'm not, if some of the things I like to do, I, I don't like to do. The way I used to think, I don't think the way I used to think, you know? 
I mean, I struggled with abortion, you know. I'm just being honest with you. When I first got saved, I didn't think an abortion was a big deal. Well, now I want to tell you something. Abortion is wrong. It's a sin. I'm all pro-life. I'm all in 100%, you know. But, you know, God changed my thinking. God changed me, and God will change you. So don't worry about where you're at right now. Just begin to seek him. Make him the priority of your life. And so this is what John was saying. Then Jesus came on the scene and said the same thing. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And then after he was tempted in the wilderness, he came back preaching again. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So it must be available to us. Well, what is the kingdom of God? Well, Romans tells us the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And righteousness is as being in right standing with God. And this is the other reason why a lot of people struggle serving God or even asking God or praying because they don't feel like they're qualified enough or they're good enough. But the Word of God tells us He became sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. He exchanged, He became sin in order that we may become the righteousness of God. In fact, it goes on and says He freely justified us. You know, he's freely given us all things. Freely means what? It doesn't cost you anything. But in order for you to use it or to operate in it, what do you have to do? You have to receive it. My family came up and saw us just a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, I give uh, our children, or well, our grandchildren, I give them honorary money. Whether they make the honor roll or not, they still get money from Big Pop, you know. And so we went to St. Louis to the city museum, you know, that place that's got all the monkey bars all through it and everything, you know. Listen, if you're older, older than 60, don't crawl through it, trust me. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, and uh, one of them, they, oh, I want something from the gift shop. Well, you don't have any money. I said, oh, yeah. Remember, I gave you $20 when you came. Oh, yeah. What do you have to do? He had to remember he had a gift. Then he had to receive it in order to spend it. Isn't that correct? That's not that hard. Well, the same thing's true about God. You got to know that God's given you this gift. You know, he's freely justified you. He puts you in right standing with him. So that's part of the kingdom of God, knowing that you're in right standing with God. Say, yeah, pastor, but what if I sin? Well, the word of God says if you sin and you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. In other words, there's no record of that sin. Bible goes on, he says, blots out our iniquities. That's as if we never sinned, you know? You know, how good is God? And if we do sin, the Bible says we have an advocate with the Lord Jesus Christ who is making intercession for us, saying, you know what, I died for that particular sin. I mean, what a deal. Who wouldn't want to serve God when God went to all that trouble, all that work just to save you? Dennis Burt brought out a thought yesterday, uh, last Sunday that I thought was worth repeating, and he said this. He said, you know, the Bible says if a man finds a treasure in a field, he goes and buys the whole field for that treasure. Well, God gave his son for the whole world. Even if the whole world didn't come, he did it just for you. Think about that. What a treasure. What a parallel. What a goodness of God that we serve. And so Jesus said, you know, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. Well, if it's at hand, I want to receive it. So righteousness, peace. Peace actually means being complete, being full. You know, 2 Peter 1, uh, 3 says, according to his divine power, he's given you all things. Say all things. All things that pertain to life and to godliness. You know, he's already given you all these things. You know, why would you want not want them? You know, think about it. He's given you all things that pertain to life. How many of you live life? All right, the rest of you, I'm going to pray and raise you from the dead. But anyway, you know, and, and, and godliness. He's given you the tools that you need. And that's what peace is, to be complete and be whole in him. So righteousness, peace, and joy. How many of you know that joy goes a long way? The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like medicine. You know, happy people live longer. Isn't that wonderful? I ought to live really, really a long life. I'm a pretty happy fella, and I'm thankful for it. Amen? So joy, a little joy. So this is what the kingdom of God is about. It's about enjoying heaven on earth. You say, well, pastor, can you really enjoy heaven on earth? Well, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, there it is again, thy will be done on earth as it is in hell. No? Who wants to pray that way, right? No, as it is in heaven. 
Did Jesus teach us to pray this way? Did he teach us to pray this way so he can go to heaven and enjoy the streets of gold and not answer it? No, absolutely not. He wants you to experience God's goodness here on this earth. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And that was just kind of a quick review. And so if you'll go with me to um, Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, and then we'll go to Mark 4. But I want to share Matthew 13. It's the same parable except for one thing that was left out in Mark 4 that I wanted you to see. Here in Matthew 13, 10, uh, verses 10 through 11, right before Jesus gives the parable of the sower and the seed, he made this comment to his disciples. And he said, and the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered to them, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So who are these disciples? Now we can give all their names, but that's not the point. They are people who are following Jesus. So if you're following Jesus, it's been given to you to know these mysteries about the kingdom of God. It's actually no mystery for us who are following. For those who aren't following, they're like, you do what? I mean, yeah, I give tithes to my church. You do what? Yeah, I give, you, you do, yeah, that church, all they want is your money. Well, that's all Walmart wants. And, you know, they're not using all of it for godly benefits. Amen. Hello, somebody. Don't tempt me. Don't make me go there now. But anyway, we know Walmart's not using all their profits for godly benefits. But never, don't tempt me to go there now. I'm telling you. If you push it a little harder, I'm going to go there. Nevertheless. No, he said no, but to you, because you're a follower of Christ, a follower of Jesus, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been given to them. The Message Bible makes it real clear. He says it like this. He replied, you've been given insight to God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift. This insight is, uh, it hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has already a heart for this, whenever someone has a heart, see, you got to have a heart for this. The insights and the understand, understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness or any trace of receptivity, it soon, it soon disappears. That's why I tell you the stories, to create a readiness to nudge the people towards a welcoming awakening. How many of you know our nation needs an awakening? My wife and I were shopping the other day, and, and uh, I got a, um, it's called a Gold Peak Tea. Anybody ever drink Gold Peak Tea? You know, that's pretty good, you know. I've had it once or twice, and the lady said, wow, this would make a good, you know, a good movie, The Murder at Gold Peak. I said, I think it'd make a better movie if it was a miracle at Gold Peak. And she said, well, we need some miracles. I said, yeah, our nation needs revival. She goes, oh, that's right. And boy, she just started preaching to me, you know, after that, you know. So that's why he tells the story. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it, listening till they're blue in the face and not get it done. And he said, I don't want what Isaiah forecasts. What Isaiah forecasts, he said, you know, the lips are, 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 are talk about me, but the heart's far from me. Well, what happened to Peter when he recognized that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah? There in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said, well, you know, uh, Peter... He said, you're not Peter anymore, but I'm going to call you Peter. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. <clears throat> what rock is that? that is he building his church on? Well, the rock is revelation, Amen. the knowledge of who God is. This is the whole reason why God came or Jesus came into this world so that you can know God. You know, Jesus said, nobody can really know God unless he knows me. That's what he meant by I'm the door. No one can really know God unless he knows me. Man, I want to know God. You know, I'm not afraid of God. I'm not concerned that he's going to kill me because I made a mistake because the goodness of God follows me all the days of my life. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God wants me to come into his throne room. The Bible says that we should boldly come to the throne of grace that we maintain grace and mercy in time of need. And I don't know a time I don't need God's grace, and I don't know a time I need his mercy. In other words, he wants me to have this relationship and walk with him. 
You know, I want to be like Enoch. I want to walk with the Lord. I don't know if I want to live 365 years, but I do want to walk with the Lord. I want to be one of those people that's been known, hey, man, he must walk with God because, you know, wherever he goes, the favor of God's with him. And I believe that's so true in my personal life. And so he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, but the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. You want victory over the devil? Begin to know God. You know, the Bible says that when you commit yourself unto God, you know, you resist the devil and he shall flee from you. You know, really, the way I see it in my own personal life, the degree that I am committed to God is the same degree I have authority over the devil. I'll say that again. Thank you for that thunderous silence. But, you know, to the degree that I'm committed to God is to the degree I have authority over the devil. It's really the truth, you know, putting God first in our lives. And this is what it takes to really find the kingdom of God in our lives. And he went on to say, and I give to you the keys to the kingdom of God. In other words, that means access. And so through this revelation knowledge, we have access to the kingdom of God. And so here in Mark chapter 4, I'm going to be sharing out of the um, Amplified Bible. So if it gets a little louder, that's why. (laughs) Matthew 4, starting with verse 1, using the Amplified translation. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the lake, and a very great crowd gathered about him, so that he got into the ship in order to sit in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was on the lakeside and on the shore. Now, here comes another commercial. If you get to go to Israel, you'll understand why he got under the sea, because there's a natural amphitheater where he's speaking to the crowd, just into the mountains and stuff. And he could get out there, and he could just speak in a normal voice, and you could, everybody could hear him. Thousands of people could hear him. So that's why people believe that he went, he went and got in, uh, uh, in a boat and on, on the sea there. And he taught them many things in parables, illustrations or comparisons, put besides truths to explain them. And in his teaching, he said this, give attention to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell along and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed of the same kind, say same kind, fell on ground full of rocks where it had not much soil. At once it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun came up, it was scorched, and because it had not taken root, it withered away. Other seed of the same kind, same, same kind, same kind of seed, fell among thorns, plants, and thistles, grew and pressed together, utterly choked and suffocated, and it yielded no grain. And other seed of the same kind, same, same kind, I want you to get the understanding, everybody had the same potential to see this seed work in their lives fell into good, well-adapted soil and brought forth grain growing up, increasing and yielding up to 30 times as much as 60 times, as much as even 100 times, as much as been sowing. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing and let him consider and comprehend. And as soon as he was done, those who were around him with the 12 apostles began to ask him about the parable. And he said, to you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. That is the secret counsel of God, which are hidden from the ungodly. But for those who are outside of our circle, everything becomes a parable. In order that they may indeed look and look but not see and perceive and may hear and hear but not grasp and comprehend. Lest happily they should turn again. What is turn again? Repentance. Turning back to God. Unless they come to God. They're not going to understand unless they seek God. You're not going to understand the Bible unless you put God first in your life. Oh, the Bible is so hard to understand. Oh, I beg your pardon. The Bible is so easy to understand. It's so full of love. Well, you know, God says don't do this and don't do that. Well, Jesus said these are the two most important commandments. To love God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. How difficult is that? You know? You do those two things and you fulfill all of the law. You fulfill all the commandments of God. And so less happily they should turn again, repent, and in their willful rejection of truth should be forgiven them. And he said, do you not understand or discern this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all parables? What Jesus is saying is if you can get hold of this parable right here, it's going to be the open door for you to have a great understanding of the Bible and the kingdom of God and how it works. 
That's why it's so important to get hold of this parable. And so the sower sows the word. He's talking about the word of God. Peter said that you're born again by the incorruptible seed of God's word. In other words, God's word will not return void. The Bible says that he watches over his word to perform it. And this is why some receive 30 and some receive 60 and some receive 100. Because up on the same measure that you listen to is the same measure it's going to be dealt to you. So if you're listening to the word all the time, guess what? I got good news for you. You're going to be experiencing the word of God all the time. You're going to be experiencing the blessing of God. The more you listen to it, that's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You hear it. You don't hear it just once. Yeah, I know all that. No, you don't. You know, somebody says, hey, I don't know all that. No, you don't. You knew all that. If you just heard just one thing that I said, glory to God, that's for me too. Those are, those are people who've heard the word of God. This is why some people get excited about giving because they know what the word of God says about giving. Glory, I get to give again? Not that, oh, yeah, well, let's see if the preacher can empty my pocket. Well, if I could, I would. Oh, come on, that's funny. You know it is. But you know I can't, so I won't. Anyway, so the sower sows the word. The only one, the ones along the path are those who have heard the word. They have the word sown into their hearts. But when they hear, Satan comes immediately at once and by force takes away the message which is sown into them. So we know that the word of God is the seed. But who's the ground? Well, let me help you. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. Dear Lord, Pastor, you going to preach from Genesis to Revelation? I might. I just might. Anyway, just kidding. no. What were you made from? How did God create man? From what? Dirt. dirt. Amen. That doesn't give you a right to tell your neighbor you're a good dirt bag. All right? No dirt. You're made from dirt. All right? And so he's talking about you, the seed going into you. You're the soil. All right? So the sower sows the word. Let's look at 15 again, verse 15. The ones along the path are the ones who heard, have the word sown in their hearts. And when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which isn't sown in them. So let me give you an example of that. Someone hears that, you know what, it's God's will for you to walk in divine health. You know, in fact, that by the very stripes of Jesus, you're healed. In fact, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And all of a sudden you hear Pastor Tom say, and I'll never be sick another day in my life. And the enemy comes and says, uh-huh, yeah, right. You really, you really believe that? You really, that's how he tries to steal that from you, you know. And so a lot of people say, well, what about facts? You know, it's a fact that someone gets sick. We can't deny it. I know facts happen. Sickness does happen. But truth always trumps facts. Amen. And God's truth will always trump the facts of life that come against you. And so that's how that works. Well, we talked about that last week, how we, how we can, you know, prepare ourselves if this is where we're at in our walk. We're all at a certain walk. You know, you could be here where the enemy comes and, you know, puts doubt in your mind. Well, how do we overcome that doubt? Well, Jesus said this one comes out by fasting and prayer. In other words, by spending time with God. Now, if I told, if you first met me and I told you, I said, listen, what's your bank account number? I'm going to put $100,000 in it first time you met me what would you think you're so full of it but if you knew me and I was serious this is just an example <laughs> I said listen I want to put a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account huh what would you do you'd get ready mm -hmm. here's my bank account this is my banker this is where I bank at pastor now don't come and give me your bank account after service today but, you know, but, but after you knew me, you would know that I'm going to follow through. And so the key is to know God. And as you begin to know God, you know he's going to watch over his word and he's going to perform it. Okay? And that's the key right there. That's why prayer helps you overcome the doubts of the enemy. Well, the prayer is just getting to know God, spending time with him. Am I doing okay this morning? All right. And in the same way, verse 16 this is the second part of the four or souls. In the same way, one sown on stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept it and welcome with joy. Boy, that's good news, man. Yeah, I'll never be sick another day in my life. And they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while. And when 
trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. So they immediately become or are offended. And so the, the, the Amplify is given a little bit of a definition of what offense is. It says become displeased, indignant, or resentful. So what, what does he call this? What soil is this? The ones with stony grounds. So let me ask you something about stony grounds. How many of you would say that a mountain is probably made of a stony ground? Hmm? And so Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, or can we say stony ground, be removed and cast into the sea. Very important to understand this. And we're going to see that in just a moment. In other words, you speak to those obstacles that are hindering you from receiving what God says you can have. He's given you that authority to speak to those obstacles. And what is the number one obstacle that hinders people from receiving the word of God is the rock of offense. That's why Jesus became the chief cornerstone, to replace the rock of offense with him being the rock of your life. Okay? But it's that rock of offense. It's that stony old offense, hello somebody, that hinders us from receiving from God. You know, we've been pastoring 25 years, been in the ministry 40 years, and I can tell you the number one thing that hinders people from receiving from God is being offended. They're offended. So I don't know about you, but I just refuse to be offended. Amen. I just refuse. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm not going to allow offense to get in my life. Now, offense has come, but I have something to do with it. So with that thought, go with me to Luke chapter 7. And we're going to learn how to deal with these offenses. First of all, in order to deal with an offense, you have to recognize what an offense is. Okay? I have to recognize what an offense is. And I know none of you are offended here. I know you've never been offended. I know you guys are much further in your walk with God than I am. And you've never been offended. And I'm so proud of you. Luke, Luke 7, 23. I'm offended because you word, used the word proud, Pastor. You were not supposed to be proud of anybody. Pride comes before the fall. Oh, I've heard it all, trust me. And blessed, and this is the definition of blessed, happy with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor. Anybody know what I'm wearing today? favor of God, man. I'm blessed. I got the favor of God. Amen. And so do you. And salvation apart from outward conditions and to be envied is he who takes that's the key, no offense in me and who is not hurt, resentful, annoyed. Another name for annoyed is ticked off or repelled or made to stumble Whatever may occur, that's what the definition of offense is. Let's read it one more time. It's hurt, resentful, ticked off, repelled, made to stumble, whatever may occur. That's what the word offense means. Actually, it comes from a Greek word called skandalia, which we get our word scandal from. And what's a scandal? It's a temptation to take away something that has been yours. That's what it is. And that's, the, that's one of the things that the enemy wants to use. He wants to use the scandal of offense to steal from you the promises of God. And all God's promises are yes and amen. And so it's a scandal. It's a way of trying to trick you. In fact, you know, there's a a particular um, uh, uh, country in South America, and two of my friends have both went there, both of them, Cole Stringer and Terry Mize, and they both said they brought this story to America, so I give them both credit for it. But in this particular tribe, there, was a, there is a, a monkey that they like to kill for, you know, for food and uh, for, for their diet. But this monkey has a real keen sense of hearing, smelling, and seeing, and so they're hard to catch. They're hard to even see in the jungle. But the way they catch them is they take this big old water bottle, you know, like your 
water cooler bottles, you know, those five-gallon bottles, you know. And they tie a rope around the neck of that bottle, and they tie it to a tree, and they put the monkey's favorite fruit inside that bottle. And so they leave. And so the monkey sees that fruit in that bottle. Even though there's fruit all around, he wants the fruit in that bottle. So he crawls out of the tree, he puts his hand in that bottle, he grabs a fruit, and he makes a fist, and he can't get his hand back out of the bottle. And they come and they harvest the monkey for dinner that night because he won't let go. He won't let go. He won't let go. See, if he'd just let go, he'd live. And this is one of the things that we have to do with offense is we have to let go. And that's one of the meanings of the word offense. It's the bait to trap you. That's the bait that traps that monkey. But you've got to let go. There's plenty where, you're, where, where you reside. There's plenty of fruit in all these trees here, Mr. Monkey. You can live if you just let go. You know, and that's the key to offenses. You've got to have to let them go. It's a trap to stop your life or stop you from fulfilling God's plan in your life. And so this is why it's so important that we learn to let go of those offenses. So that's what that word means. Now go with me to Luke chapter 17. Are we doing okay this morning? This is the stone that stops the word of God from working in our life. The stone of offense, the rock of offense. But we have authority over it, don't we? And now, and isn't that what uh, uh, Mark 11, 23 and 24 says? Speak to the mountain. And a mountain is what? It's just a big rock. You know? To speak to the big rock that's hindering you from receiving. All right, what did I say? Luke 17. Luke 17. And Jesus said to his, his disciples, Temptation, snares, traps, set to entice to sin, are sure to come, but woe to him by through whom they come. Okay, so... Number one, it's hard not to offend if you're already taking an offense. It's kind of like putting a peppermint in your mouth. Anybody ever put a peppermint in your mouth? And so when you breathe out, what do I smell? Thank God. And when you breathe in, what do you smell? Peppermint. Okay, well, that's what happens when you take the offense is that you're, everything that you're thinking about, talking about, whether you realize it or not, when you've taken the offense, say taken, not, not received it, I mean, taking the offense, not heard it, not experienced it, but you've taken on the offense. It's become who you are. It's that stone on the inside of you. Then everything you do is processed through that offense. That's why it's so important that you've got to get it out of your life. Because in your mind, you're thinking more about the offense than you are hearing the Word of God. And how is the Word of God multiplied in your life? By hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. But because that stone's there, you know, it's stopping from growing, 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 growing. Now, at my house, I have these rock walls, and there's dirt in the rock walls. And some of the places where there's a lot of dirt, I can grow some flowers and some plants. But I can't grow flowers and plants all in the rock wall because the rock's in the way. So what's the answer? Take the rock out, right? Well, how can you grow as a child of God? What's the answer? Take the rock out. How do you take the rock out? You speak to it. And we're going to see that in just here in a moment. So it'd be more profitable for you. So if you're, uh, uh, you know, he's saying, you know, it's impossible that offenses won't come, but woe through whom they come. So this is one reason why we don't want to be offended is because if we're offended, we'll probably have somebody else either take our offense or share our offense with other people. And that's dangerous. It's very, very dangerous when somebody, when you take somebody else's offense. Why is that? Because the person who you're offended with, you can always make restoration with. But if you're offended by somebody because of hearsay, how do you make restoration? Well, I'm mad at you. Why? Because somebody said they were mad at you. Oh, okay. How do you make restitution with somebody? You know, when that, 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 you know, when you take somebody else's offense. So it's important that we don't take other people's offenses, and they will take our offenses if we have an offense. Pay attention and always be on your guard, looking out for one another. If your brother sins, misses the mark, solemnly tell him so. And reprove him, and if he repents or feels sorry for having sinned, forgive him. In other words, if he says, man, I missed it, you're right, I missed it, I'm sorry, I wish I would have never said that, wish I would have never done that, okay, I, hey, I forgive you. And even if he sins against you seven times a day, turn seven times and say, I repent, I'm sorry, you must forgive him. Give up resentment. Isn't that something? Give up resentment. Can't resent, no resentment, and consider the offense as recalled and annulled. In other words, as if they never offended you in the first place. Eh, 
I'll just let it go. And so the apostles of, uh, said to the Lord, increase our faith. Isn't that something? You know, I thought, well, man, if God could just do signs and wonders in my ministry, you know, if I could see, you know, people with cancer get healed and I could see, you know, blind eyes open and deaf ears open, which I desire to see those things, man, God would really exalt my ministry. No, no, it doesn't say through the gifts of healing, the word of God to multiply. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. This says hearing the word, and I've got to remove whatever is trying to hinder me from hearing the word in my life. You're doing okay this morning. So they said, increase our faith, our trust, and our confidence, and spring from our belief in God. And the Lord answered, if you have faith, trust, and confidence in God, even so small as the grain of a mustard seed, you can say, now sycamine tree is really the right translation. So ignore mulberry tree. Because, you know, when I was a kid, we used to climb in the mulberry trees and eat all the mulberry fruit. And, you know, just uh, always enjoyed them. But no, this is a sycamine tree, and it's very, very important that you understand that. Be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea, it will obey you. Why sycamine tree? Well, number one, sycamine trees grew in a very parched and dry and unwatered area. And so as a result of the sycamine tree, they had deep roots. As a result of being dry area, they had deep roots. What happens to offense? What happens to sin when it's not dealt with? It becomes a root of, help, help me somebody, bitterness. And it can go deep if you don't deal with it. Why the sycamine? Well, the sycamine did have a fruit. It did produce fruit, and people did eat it. But in order to eat it, number one, it wasn't very tasteful, but it would sustain you. Number two, it was kind of bitter. And number three, it was so tough that you had to chew it and 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 chew it. It's kind of like having that gristle and that steak, you know. Boy, that steak's so good until you bite that gristle, and you're chewing it, and you're chewing it, and you're chewing it. And you're around people, and you think, man, I can't spit it out in front of everybody, so i got to chew it. Hello, somebody. And chew it a little more, right? Huh? And finally, we get it down to bite size where we finally swallow it, and we think, dear God, what's that going to do to my stomach? And so you grab another piece of that steak that's real good, and you hope it kind of washes it down with it, right? Same thing with that fruit of the sycamine tree. you got to chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it before it can be palatable for you to swallow it. That's what happens with a fence. I mean, you chew on it, and you chew on it, and you chew on it, you chew on it. You spit it out, then you put it back in, you chew on it a little more, you spit it out, you chew on it, until you finally take it. Now, so this is what Jesus said in Luke 7, 23. Blessed is man who takes no offense. But then Luke 17 says, you know what, it's impossible that offenses won't come. Offenses will come, but you don't have to take it. How? By not chewing on it. By not dwelling on it. By forgiving, by saying, nope, I'm not going to let that rock get into my Garden of Eden and stop the Word of God from producing in my life. It's just not worth it. Taking that offense is just not worth it. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to speak to this thing. I'm going to command it to go. And so he said this in verse 7. And will any man of you who has a servant plowing and tending sheep saying to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and take your place at the table. Will you not instead tell him, get my supper ready, gird yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, then afterwards you shall eat and drink. Is he grateful and does he praise the servant because he did what he was ordered to do? You know, so many times we're looking for somebody to give us a badge when we let go of an offense. Look at me. Yeah, I forgave so-and-so from what they did to me. I forgave them. I forgave them. No, 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 no. No, all you're doing is gossiping. Thank you for that thunderous amen. You guys are so excited. I'd be better off praying, preaching out in the rain. Come on, help me with this, right? All right, thank God for the rain. What's he doing? He's doing what he's supposed to do. You don't get a badge of honor when you let go of offenses. You're supposed to do this. This should be your lifestyle. This should be who you are. You know, one of my favorite things to do once in a while, say once in a while. It's not a, it's not a, a weekly diet. It's not a 
monthly diet. It's like maybe every six-month diet. But I like to go out and get about a half a pound of brown swagger. I think another word for it's liverwurst. Is that right? Something along those lines. Oh, man, I like to get that potato bread, and I like to smear that mayonnaise on it. Oh, and then eat that big old piece of brown swagger. But, you know, it's not healthy for me. And, you know, what would happen if I ate brown swagger every day? You know, the doctor would say, buddy, you know, you don't have hardening of the arteries. You just don't have nothing going through your arteries but brown swagger, you know? In other words, it wouldn't be good for me, you know? And so this is, so I live a lifestyle. Hmm? I know you all know I love ice cream, but I don't eat ice cream every day. I'm trying to eat it every other day, but I don't eat it every day. In fact, I did a study on eating ice cream. I found out it was good for you. <laughs> yeah, when they say, when, they, when you go, they say ice cream's good for you, and they go, who are they? You say, Pastor Tom, he did the study. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. But you know, if, it's a lifestyle. You know, I keep certain things out of my diet, so I can feel better about me physically. Not emotionally, but I feel good because I, I eat pretty well. Not, not great, but I eat pretty well. And so same thing here. You got to make it a part of your lifestyle that, you know, I'm going to keep offenses out of my life. And this is what he's saying. Verse 10, even so on your part, when you've done everything that was assigned and commanded to you, we say we are unworthy servants possessing no merit we're not doing it for merit for we have not gone beyond our obligation we have merely done what was our duty to do so what's the number one reason why people get offended since sometimes they don't get recognized well who are you doing it for let me say it over here who are you doing it for huh you're doing it bible says do all things unto the lord in fact it says do all things without murmuring and complaining what a thunderous amen on that one. But if you're doing it unto the Lord, there is no murmuring and complaining, is it? You're saying, praise God, God gets to use me to clean the men's bathroom. Praise God, God gets to use me to change diapers in the nursery. Praise God, God gets to use me to sweep the, sweep the uh, sidewalk of the church. Praise God, God gets to use me. And you're not going around looking for recognition because you did it as unto the Lord. You know, the Bible says when you do it unto God, God doesn't forget every act of love and work that you've done. And so this is one area where offenses come in. And so we have to refuse to be offended. You know, we're not looking for the red carpet. We're not looking for recognition. We're not looking for some of these things in our lives. But because we've done these things and we've honored God, we can expect God's word to come to pass in our life. And this is what Jesus is saying about offenses. That's why he said that, third, that second soil is a soil that's full of offenses. And it's time that you go in and you dig out the rock of offenses in your garden so that the word can produce. I've got a beautiful garden spot. First thing I did was I took and plowed it up. And then I got all the roots out of it. And then I got all the rock out of it. And then I added fertilizer, and I added sand, and then I added some more soil to it. Oh, I'm telling you, it is great soil. That is wonderful, producing some wonderful zucchinis and wonderful radishes right now, wonderful peppers and, and, and tomatoes. It's a beautiful, but you know what? I had to get all the rocks out. I had to plow it up, you know, and the truth is that we have to plow up our heart, make it pliable. Hello, somebody. Now allow the hardening of the heart to stop what God has for our lives. And this is what Jesus was saying. He said, this, this soil needs to what? Use your faith, speak to the offense. What do you say? Speak to the sycamine tree. You know, has deep roots. It has bitter fruit. You know, the other thing about the sycamine tree, in order for it to produce, it takes a wasp to sting the fruit or the beginning of the fruit, the, uh, the flower, the blossom, the wasp has to go in there and sting it in order for it to pollinate. Well, that's the same way how offenses get started, from the sting of life. Before it can breed, you have to experience a sting of life or an offense of life. You know, isn't that something that you use sycamine tree? You know, the other thing about the sycamine tree, it was the coffers. Coffers are people who made coffins. 
that was their favorite wood to make coffins out of. I guess that's telling me if I don't deal with the offense, the offense, the offense will eventually kill me. I don't know about you, but I don't want any offenses in my life. That's why I say I refuse to be offended. Amen? You need to just say it to yourself. I refuse to be offended. You know, when I pray in the morning, a lot of times you'll hear me pray this prayer if you're with me. Lord, if there's any offense in my heart, any unforgiveness, reveal it to me. I don't want it in my life, you know? And so how do we overcome these offenses? Well, number one, we have to recognize what an offense is. Anybody learn what an offense was here this morning? Sure you did. doesn't mean you won't get offended. It just means that you have to recognize the offense. I was almost, I, 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 I was offended by this, but I almost took the offense when I heard Joe Biden say this at the White House at the LGTB Pride event. This is what he said. You're some of the bravest and most inspiring people I've ever known. And I've known a lot of good folks, is what Joe Biden said. Well, pardon me, Mr. Biden, but I think the people who serve in our military are some of the most bravest and courageous folks. Pardon me, Mr. Biden, but I think some of these fathers who married a woman who knows she's a woman and he knows he's a man and raised children who know what the difference between a boy and a girl is, I think those are some of the most courageous and bravest men on the earth. Others calling us a cult for the way we vote. Oh, I'm just voting for the perseverance of my nation. I happen to believe that when righteous is an authority, the people will be happy and prosper. Yeah, those are offended remarks. But you know, I know somebody who took an offense in that situation. And once they took the offense from what was said by a politician, they opened the door for other offenses to come in. We're not just talking about being offended with your family. We're not just talking about overcoming offenses with people in the church. Of course, there's nobody in this church we could ever have to be ever be offended with. Amen. We have such a perfect church. If you just get a perfect pastor. <laughs> no, no, no. Any type of offense. And I caught myself almost taking that offense. I thought, no, but what I did, what did I do? I said, Mr. President, I forgive you. I pray a blessing on you. And I pray that your eyes of understanding being open. And I said, I refuse to be offended by your comment. Amen? Amen. That's what I had to do in that situation. We can't afford to be offended. So those are some of the things that we do. Is Though offenses will come, and that was very offensive to me, what do we do? We speak to that offense and say, you get out of my life. Secondly, you forgive the offense. And I want you to think about something here. I'm doing really good. It's only 1130. Jesus, after his resurrection, met Peter and the disciples when they were fishing. Remember that story? And John said, oh, it's the Lord. And Peter put on his garment and swam to the shore. And there was a fire there, and Jesus was baking fish. Remember that story there in John 20 or 21? I think 21. Okay? And so the disciples came in, and, and so now let's back up a little bit. At the last fire Peter was at, what did he do? How many times? Oh, okay. That's important. How many times then after Peter probably began to think, I wonder if I'm ever going to be used of the Lord because I denied Jesus? I don't know what he was thinking, but that's what I would have been thinking. My gosh, I denied him. How could, that, how could God ever use me? Can he ever forgive me? How many times did Jesus say, Peter, Simon, Jonah, do you love me? Three times. In other words, he denounced his denial by saying, I love you three times. It doesn't matter how many times you have to say, I forgive. You just let it go. And you announce, this thing is gone. And if you have to say it over and over and over again, Jesus said, if you have to say it seven times in a day, or seven times 70, I forgive. Just do it until you get free of it. That's the key right there, is be persistent in not allowing that offense to take part of your life. So you forgive the offense. You refuse to take the offense. And, of course, this is what we've been saying. You speak to that offense. 
If you have the faith of a seed of a grain of a mustard grain, you can say to this sycamine tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea. Oh, the sea? Why the sea? Because biological plants that are cast into salt water don't ever survive. In fact, they are so destroyed they can never live or reproduce again. That's why he said the sea. Cast that thing into the place where it's destroyed and never live again. And this is why Jesus said, hey, that second soil I'm talking about, same seed. Why is it not producing? You know, a lot of times when we go through things and we're challenged, you know, by situations and, and setbacks in our lives, one of the things that we really need to do is take time and ask God, where has this come in? What is hindering the word of God? You know, it's never God's fault. Let me say that again. It's never God's fault. You know, God's the last person you want to get mad at. Don't get mad at God, you know. But, you know, always go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pester you. I'm going to be in your face. I'm going to be at your throne until I know if I've left the door open, what's going on here? What's the issue? What have I left here going on? And I would venture to say most of the time it's because somehow an offense has snuck in and you took hold of it without realizing it. That's why I pray every day, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Well, if his kingdom come, his will be done. His will is for me to walk in forgiveness. Any unforgiveness in my heart, any, any offense in my heart. And is there, is there somebody that I won't do good to if they need it good done to them? You know, is there somebody who, if they were dying in my life, and I said, you've been wasting good air anyway and let them die. You know, I'm probably offended with that person. You know, I know none of you have ever thought that way. Well, they deserve that. The way they treated me, they deserve that. You know, that means you have an offense. Thank you for that thunderous amen. But it's really the truth. Allowing God to purge, to clean out, to cultivate, to plow any hardness that's in your heart and remove it so that same seed, the seed of God's word, can flourish in your life. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.